Today, I want to talk about the secret to a satisfied life. The secret to a satisfied life. So I'm going to encourage you to lean in, take some good notes. Uh, I've got a lot of content. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get in through it as, as proficiently as possible. But I do know that God wants to speak to a lot of us in this room because I find that a lot of us are pursuing a lot of different things, hoping that those things are going to bring a sense of satisfaction. And we're still left wanting. We're still left frustrated. We're still left with lives that are broken and unfulfilled. And I do believe that there is a key to finding true satisfaction. Like you can truly have a life that is completely fulfilled, but you have to pursue the right things. And I find that we are generated a hunger and a thirst for things that ultimately won't bring fulfillment and satisfaction. It says this in Matthew 5, 6. This is the New King James Version. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. So post-resurrection, righteousness just simply means to be like Christ, to live like Christ, uh, to model and reflect the way that he lived his life. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So this is really encouraging because it says that you are blessed if you just do one thing. You are blessed if you stay hungry. You stay hungry, that's your job. Your job is you stay hungry and then God will do his job as our sovereign heavenly father with fulfilling you. But you gotta stay hungry. And the truth is we're all hungry for something. We're all feeding on something. But the only way you're going to really understand God's blessing is if you stay hungry for his righteousness, for the character of Christ and living like him. I find that the problem with our culture is not many Americans are hungry. We don't need to be. Uh, we, we're complete. We got everything we need. So why would we ever be hungry? As Americans on the whole, we don't hunger. Because even if it's natural hunger, we're talking about even people that may not have access to the, the income to always be able to have meals. There's lots of places that will feed those people meals. There's very few people that are starving. There's very few people that just go without meals on a consistent basis. Uh, because we're blessed. But we don't, because of that, we don't hunger. I know even me growing up, even, even at a place where we were, we were broke, I've shared some of my testimony, like there was points in our lives where we were so poor, we were actually poor because we couldn't afford the R because we were just that broke. And even during those seasons, I never questioned whether or not I was going to be able to eat. Even in those seasons when we didn't have very much money, we were able to shoot a bull elk and we could still get 12 for $1 ramen noodles. Come on, every college student in here knows what I'm talking about. And during those seasons, like we didn't have a whole lot else and I wouldn't suggest combining elk meat and ramen noodles. It's not a great dish, but, but I always knew that I was gonna have something to eat even during those seasons. I knew that I was still going to be able to eat. There are places around the world that don't. There are places that they, they actually do go without meals. They actually are hungry. They actually could starve to death. When I was in Kenya many years ago, one of the groups of people that I got to interact with and do ministry with or what they call there the glue boys. And these are orphans, not all of them are boys, but majority of them are young men. 
and they either ran away or got displaced or they're orphaned and they're living out on the streets. And it is easier for them to get a hold of glue that they can sniff and make themselves high. It's easier for them to get that than it is for them to get food. And the majority of them are so hungry, won't eat for days. It's painful when you're that hungry. And so what they do is they just try to relieve the pain of that by sniffing on this glue. And it causes major issues and brain damage. And, but they're just so desperate to try to satisfy the pain and the hunger that they feel. And so the ministry we work with actually opened a home for those boys where they could take them off the streets and educate them. But they would find that there was many times that even once they were given an opportunity to get what they really needed, not just the natural food, but the spiritual food, like for them to understand that they have value and they could have purpose and, and God could use them and God had a call for their life. Like even when they got all those things available to them, a lot of times they would still revert back to going back onto the streets and sniffing glue because they'd become addicted to that. Because in some respects, it felt easier to do that than to change who they were. There was a comfort zone in that. And I find that there's a lot of us that even what is available to you could really help you. Like the real nourishment that you need, not just the real natural nourishment, but the real spiritual nourishment, that even when these things are available to you and you could, you could find your purpose and change, you've created such an addiction to these other things that you think are gonna bring satisfaction in your life, it's difficult for you to switch. And even if there is a season where it's like, yes, this is good, this is what I do need to do, it doesn't last. Because eventually it's easier to go back to the things that would ease the pain, to bring a, a momentary, a false sense of satisfaction than actually bring eternal, lasting change by getting what you really actually need. Me, I rarely ever miss a meal. I, I don't get it. Some, some people that say this, I just got so busy, I forgot to eat. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, how could that possibly happen to you? Oh, I was just cleaning the house. I was busy cleaning the house. Before I knew it, I missed lunch. I forgot lunch. I'm like, that ain't going to happen to me. Like, especially if I'm cleaning. I'm sweeping something, vacuuming something. I'm working up an appetite. So even if, if I, it's late, I'm still going to get that meal in one way or the other. Like, it's going to happen. But the problem is, if I have to wait and it goes longer, the wrath of James becomes a real thing. And then I'm just mean. And I'm just like, people can tell when two things are not happening in my life when I'm not praying and when I'm not eating. And both of those will cause demons to manifest all over the place. So I ain't gonna forget to eat. Like, it's gonna happen. But I do find that a lot of people do forget to eat what they really need. They don't get the nourishment that they actually need. And I'm talking spiritually. Mother Teresa said it this way, in India, they are starving to death physically, but in America, they are starving in their soul. And it's just as harmful. So I want to talk about some places that people try to find satisfaction, but it actually doesn't bring lasting satisfaction. There's no lasting satisfaction in power. In power. So if you get to a place in your life, you're just like, you know, you know what would just help me, what would help me be satisfied is if I could just have 
more authority. If I could have a better position, if I could have more title, if I could have more ability to boss people around, if I could be the man, if I could be the boss, that would help me get satisfaction. And all of us in here that know what it's like to have the authority and the title and to be the boss, we're like, it comes with a lot of responsibility. And it's stressful. And we're like, we would rather not have it. But what I do find is the people that are hungry for power should never get it. Because a lot of us, we've been under people that have power and title and they shouldn't have it because they don't use it the right way and they use it for personal gain and it causes pride and causes arrogance. And so I I would suggest to people that that have that desire, like they want to have that that title because they, they hurt people. Most of all, they hurt themselves. Washington, D.C. is full of these people. I mean, let's just be honest. There, 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 there are a ton of people in Washington, D.C. that would trade money for the power. And in fact, that's what happens with a lot of them. A lot of them, they exchange money for power. It usually wasn't their money. It was like their grandparents' money. But they exchange money for power. And now that they're in there, they just, they, they, they can't live without it. They've got to have the power. They've got to have the influence. They've got to have the title. They love that. Do you know how high the divorce and suicide rate is in Washington, D.C.? It's incredibly high. Because clearly, power doesn't bring satisfaction. Hunger for power will never bring lasting satisfaction. Ever heard of a guy named Lucifer? Lucifer was hungry for power. In fact, he said, man, if I, I want to sit on the throne. I want to be like God. I want to have that kind of authority. I want to have that kind of power. He was the first worship pastor. And because he had that going on in him, he had the shortest exit interview of any employee ever in heaven. And Jesus said that he saw Satan descend from heaven like a lightning bolt, like that quick. Like no exit interview, no stipend, no, you know, finish out the week. Like, no, you, you're, you're hungry for, okay, bye. Bye, Felicia. See you later. <laughs> and it was a major, major issue. So it's obvious that God is not interested in sharing power. And I want you to write that down. All power belongs to God. So here's the deal. If you are in a position of influence, you're in a position of, of power, of title, Know that it's not yours. God is loaning it to you. It is all God's. If you have that ability, if God's given you that title, please don't lie to yourself to make yourself believe that you earned it, that somehow you gained it because you're smart enough. Because the Bible says that there is no authority under heaven that's not established by God. No authority. So some of y'all are like, then why is he putting so many dumb people in authority? He's God, I'm not. He's got a bigger picture that I can't see. But you can know this for your own personal life. If God does give you influence, if God gives you title, walk in it with humility because it's not yours, it's his. He's just letting you borrow it. All power belongs to God. If you crave for power, truly what you're saying is you crave to be like God. That's a dangerous place to live. There's also no lasting satisfaction in praise. No lasting satisfaction in praise. 
So really all the power and all the praise belongs to Jesus. But I know a lot of people, man, they are hungry for praise. They love, they just starve for praise. They starve for affirmation constantly. They're just constantly baiting people to praise him. But, but here's the problem. The problem is praise fluctuates. Praise never stays the same. Okay, it won't ever stay the same in you and you feeling praise. It also will never stay the same. It'll fluctuate in the way that people give praise. Because you can do something awesome today and everybody's gonna be like, yeah, you're awesome, you're great. And tomorrow they're gonna forget about it. They won't remember it tomorrow. If you're hungry for praise, you're gonna do that awesome thing and then you're gonna keep trying to remember, remind people. It's like, yeah, it was pretty good, wasn't it? It was good, right? It was good, right? Wasn't it good? I did this. This is going on. I'm doing this right now. You want people to know about it. And so you fish for affirmation. You fish for praise. There's a lot of people in the Bible, man, they struggle with this. King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not gonna go into all the passage, but in Daniel chapter four, it talks about one day he's at his palace and he's walking around in his palace and he starts saying, man, look at everything I've built. I should be praised. Man, I I should be lifted. Everybody should know how big of a deal I am. And the Bible says that while the words were still in his mouth, a messenger from the Lord came and said, because you think that this came from you and not from God, today you're losing it all. And not only are you gonna lose it all, but for the period of seven years, God is gonna cause you to look and act like an animal. You're gonna eat grass like the cows. Your hair is gonna grow out and get nasty and turn into dreadlocks. And you're, gonna, and you're gonna be covered in rain and dew and your nails are gonna grow out like an animal. You're gonna act like an animal. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. For seven years, King Nebuchadnezzar, from his throne to the fields, was like an animal. But it says that at the end, at the very end of that seven years, when that was lifted off of him, he raised his eyes and began to praise God. How many of y'all know I would have been doing that too? Like, I ain't doing that again. I ain't gonna go there again. But I I find that a lot of people, they're so hungry for someone to affirm them and build them up that what they have forgotten or don't realize is all the praise you will ever need, God has already given you. If you need praise, get your praise from God because this is chock full full of everything he thinks about you. And the difference between God and people is God's praise never fluctuates. The things that God has said about you, he said before the foundation of the earth, they have never lessened or grown greater because of anything good or bad you have ever done. His praise and affirmation for you has always been consistent. It's never changed. And if you can learn it and you can apply it and it can can become a part of you, you'll never have to hunger and thirst for someone else's affirmation for the rest of your life. And by the way, they're gonna appreciate that. By the way, your spouses, the people that are around you and living with you, man, I'll tell you, they will have so much more joy living around you when you figure out all the praise I will ever need I've gotten from God. God's already said it about me and all I gotta do is live in it. That's all I gotta do. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Give God the praise. Let him be the one that praises you. There's no lasting satisfaction in pleasure. There's no lasting satisfaction in pleasure or just sin. Sin. Hebrews 11, it says this about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God to enjoy, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So what this is saying is, Moses was an adopted prince of Egypt and he could have just walked in that title and enjoyed all the pleasures that that had, that came with that. He could have stayed in that place. But he says, instead of enjoying that temporarily, and we know that actually in, in natural years, it wouldn't have been temporary. We know how old Moses lived to be. He would have experienced that and lived in that pleasure for a long time, except he had a, an eternal perspective. He saw things the way God saw, and he, saw, he, he knew even if he lived a long life within that pleasure, it's going to be very short in comparison to the glory that God would give him if he would trust him. And so he said, instead of, instead of compromising who he was and his calling for a title or for a position that could have given him pleasure, he said, I'd rather suffer with God's people than have that pleasure for just a short amount of time. He'd rather give all that up. But the truth is, it's so easy to live in a place where the pleasures of life and the sin of life, man, is because they are fun for a season. Anybody that would say that sin's not fun, they're lying to you. Sin is so much fun. But it's like this. It's like, woo, this is fun. Addiction. Woo, this is the best thing ever. This feels so great. I've never felt so loved. Your marriage is broken. Your kids can't respect you anymore. Man, this is amazing. Your finances are in shambles. Woo, this is so much fun. You've compromised your health. But it'll feel really fun for a season. For a season. And the truth is, it's always progressive. It's always progressive. Sin will always, you'll always need a little more to get back to that place of pleasure again. How many of y'all are afraid of heights? Anybody afraid of heights in here? Okay. All right. How many of you, you don't, you're not afraid of heights. You're an adrenaline junkie. How many of you guys, you're, you're not afraid of heights. You're, okay. And, and, and each group thinks the other group needs deliverance. Like y'all crazy. Something's wrong with you. Like the people that aren't afraid of heights, you're like, you got the fear of the, lo- of the devil in you. You need to be delivered from that. And everybody else is like, yeah, you stupid. Uh, you're going to have fun, but I'm going to live longer. Okay. Okay. But, but, but I'm an adrenaline junkie. That, that I've always been that way. I've always loved. I, I've, I, I've done crazy stuff to, to, to try to get an adrenaline rush. Praise God, God used that so I didn't get addicted to drugs or other things because I have a very addictive personality. And if I would have gotten a hold of all that other stuff, I would have gone all the way with it. But adrenaline was my thing. And so, you know, some of the things that you think about, like these are like the pinnacle of adrenaline, right? I went skydiving about 20 years ago skydiving. Okay. I didn't, I went tandem. I didn't jump by myself. I, um, but still skydiving. And, uh, it was really funny cause they strapped me to this guy that was about that tall. I'm like, this don't seem like it's a good idea. Like he's like, just lift your legs and I'll carry you. I'm like, no, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, I'm going to break you. Uh, but anyway, jumped out of a plane, but here's the thing. Like once you skydive, anything else that has to do with a parachute just really isn't that exciting. Like we went parasailing behind a boat for, for our honeymoon. I, I like almost fell asleep up there. I was just like, wow, this is very soothing. You know, it just wasn't, I went parasailing off the top of a mountain last year. I, I actually posted a video of it. What you'll notice in the video is I'm not going, woohoo. This is, this is how I show how excited I am. Like that's it. Sin is the same way. 
you'll always have to go a little bit deeper and a little bit more extreme with sin to get the original feeling that you got. And the thing is, sin actually, it creates calluses on you. And so then it's like, well, the only way I can push through the calluses, I've got to sin a little bit more extreme. I got to go a little bit further. I got to do a little bit more. Sin will always be progressive. But people get addicted to finding what they think is going to be satisfaction through these pleasures, through sin. This is a definition of sin. Sin is you meeting a real need in the wrong way. The truth is there's things inside of you that's like, man, God made you that way. God built you that way. But instead of you trusting him to be your fulfillment and to bring the things and the people that can fulfill you, you think I'm going to go get mine. And you do it on your own. And that's when it becomes sin. They're real needs. They're not, it's not to say like that these aren't things that, that every human person doesn't need. It's just as soon as you stop trusting God and trying to do it your own way, that's typically when you become sin. There's no lasting satisfaction in possessions. In possessions. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Did you know that today there are twice as many products available to us as there were 10 years ago? Twice as many products. But let me ask you this question. Are we as a culture twice as happy? No. So we got twice as much stuff as we did 10 years ago, but I find that we're less happy and less fulfilled. But we will try. We will try. We not only have twice as much stuff, we can get it in 40, 48 hours because of Amazon, right? So not only can we get twice as much stuff, we can get it twice as quick. But are we twice as satisfied? And you're like, but I thought it said satisfaction guaranteed. But how many of y'all ordered something, you showed up, you opened it up, and you're like, eh, it's not really doing it for me. Maybe I need to order a different one and a different brand. Stuff, possessions. But Psalm 37 says it this way, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Lasting happiness is only gonna be a byproduct of you seeking Jesus. But so many people are trying to stack up possessions. We're the only culture in the world where we will build a house for our stuff called your garage and then we'll fill that up and get a storage unit and then we'll be paying somebody else to build us a house for our stuff we all do it myself included but it's not bringing satisfaction this false prophet in the old testament his name was Balaam and as he was coming in of his life he said that the prayer of his life is that he could die like the righteous Die like the righteous, because he knew he wasn't righteous, because he was a false prophet. So he's like, man, I just, if I could just die like the righteous, like, I, I'm, I mean, I'm right there. Look, when I die, I want the whole thing. I want the whole bright light, heaven, my own mansion, angels, Jesus, the whole deal. I want it all there. And I will say this, I've never met somebody at the end of their life, and I've been at a few different people's deathbeds. I've never been, at the end of, been with somebody at the end of their life, and they're just like, no, I'm good. I don't need all the heaven stuff. I'm good. Never met anybody 
They're like, pastor, please pray with me. Please pray. I just want to, I want to die like the righteous. I want all, I want all that heaven has to provide. But the problem is we don't think that we can be satisfied now. Like we were just waiting on heaven. The Lord's prayer says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth now as it is in heaven. But we're trying to find satisfaction in stuff and possessions. We have a big problem with control. From time to time, I'll meet people in our church that'll say, it was hard for me to come to your church because your church is so big. And it was hard for me. I felt like I, it was hard because there's a big crowd and I was just getting lost in crowd. And I hear people say that from time to time. But I also will hear not as much, but I'll hear this from time to time. No, I like how big your church is. I like how big a church is. I, I can just kind of, I can slip in and slip out. Uh, and the darker, the better. I like the lights to be dark because then people really can't see me. I like to be able to just kind of come in there and then I can leave real quick after service. This is what they're really saying. Many of them. I'm a believer. I'm a Christ follower. but My life is a mess. I like to have a faith where I get to control the outcome week in and week out. I like to control my Christianity. We were never meant to control Christianity. Christianity is supposed to control us. The desire to be Christ-like should be in us to the point where it's like, no, I, I, I don't try to control this. I let the Holy Spirit have control. I live out of the overflow of this. That's the most important thing that I possess is the presence of God. To hunger and thirst is just to have a desire and a passion to pursue Jesus. Everyday necessity of life is Jesus. So how do you find true satisfaction? First of all, stop eating junk that kills your appetite. So I'm going to list some things, and I'm not making a blanket statement saying all these things are evil, but I am saying that all of us need to question whether or not we are doing them in proportion to what we say we believe. Because these things are things like hobbies, technology, devices, our families, our kids. At one point or another, if, if those things are consumed, if that's what we're consuming, and those things are consuming us, guess what? We won't be hungry for the things of God. We won't be hungry. We'll be full. We'll be full on all those things to the point where we have no room in our personal pursuit of Jesus. Because we'll be full. We'll be full. Here's what I would suggest. If you don't have a passion for God, nobody can give it to you. If you don't have a passion for God, I can't give it to you. If you don't have a passion for God, you can't come up here to the prayer team, then pray for you, and all of a sudden you have a passion for God. If you don't have a passion for God, I can't pray over you, do some weird thing with my hand, slap you upside the head, and all of a sudden you got passion. Trust me, if that worked, I'd start lining every person in this room up right now. I'd be slapping all of you upside the head if I thought it would give you passion, but it can't. If you're lacking passion, I would suggest that there's something that you need to push back in your life so you got more room for Jesus to feed on. If you don't have passion, it's because you're full on everything else. You're the only one that can create an appetite for a passion for God. Nobody else can give that to you. Truth is, 
This message can't do it. A seminar can't do it. A conference can't do it. It's your Monday through Saturday that's going to establish whether or not you have a passion for God. And it's you deciding, hey, there's got to be some margin for this to be priority. Because if it's not, I'm going to be full on everything else and have no room for a relationship with him. Stop eating the junk that's filling you up. One of our campus pastors this last week met with a Christian counselor. And this Christian counselor says something so profound and, and convicting. He said, one of the biggest issues that we're struggling with in a culture is an inability to be bored. We, we, we don't have the ability to be bored anymore. And, he, and he's right. Because if you think about it, if you're standing at the checkout line more than 15 seconds and you're dealing with the awkwardness of waiting there, what do you have? If you're at the DMV and instead of having a meaningful conversation with someone else that's sitting there because you don't know them and you don't want to know about their life because there's no telling what they're going to get into, what do you do? You pull out a phone. So we have these devices. And this counselor said, you know what? These devices have become pacifiers. And the sad thing is we take babies and take pacifiers out of their mouth and put another pacifier in their hand at a young age. We could preach on that for a long time. One of the things I think is interesting, you know, one of the reasons why you take a pacifier away from a baby so they can learn to self-soothe. I find there's a lot of grown-ups walking around that never learn how to self-soothe. I find there's a lot of people that they can just pacify where they're at personally. They can just pacify and not deal with the real issues and not deal with the healing that needs to happen in them and not deal with the restoration that needs to happen in them because they can just pacify it. And then they can get on social media and ask a bunch of other people to help them pacify it too. So we're pacifying ourselves. So one of the greatest prayers that I could have for you is that you would just get bored. Because here's the thing, if you have the inability to be bored, you have the inability to be still. And if you can't be still, you can't know God. Because if you can't get still, you can't get quiet. If you can't get past the 30 seconds of awkwardness of your own silence and the silence of the world around you long enough to hear the still, quiet voice of your heavenly Father, then you can't grow. You won't be satisfied. You'll be filled with everything else. You'll be filled with everything else. It says this in Isaiah 55. This is Isaiah actually prophesying about who Jesus was and what he was going to bring. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, even, even if you don't have what you think you need to purchase it, you don't have it. That's why it's called grace. You don't have it. It's not your goodness that gets you this. It's surrender that gets you this. But it says, if you'll just come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Those are the highest priced commodities at that time. Wine and milk. Most expensive stuff that you could get in a common household. And without price, without money, without price, this is available. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. In Australia, there's this plant. It's this clover that produces a spore and they can actually make bread from this spore. 
The thing about it, it'll, it'll smell like bread, it'll look like bread, but it is completely void of any kind of nutritional value. There's nothing in it. No calories, no carbohydrates. How many of y'all know that ain't God? But it will ta- it'll look and smell and even taste like bread. And it will fill you up and you will starve to death because it has no nutritional value. Man. That is a picture of the culture we live in. We are filling ourselves on nothing and we will feel full and we are starving to death. So what are we full on? Schedule. We're full on busy. We're full on entertainment. We're full on responsibilities. We're full on things that are good but may not be God. And we're starving to death. You can have a full life and have an empty soul. That can happen. One thing that I found to be true is appetites typically are influenced by associations. In other words, who you're hanging out around typically will wind up helping define what you have an appetite for. Who you associate with will wind up determining what you're hungry for. And, and, and your crowd, will, they'll wind up helping set the priority of what you're feeding on and what you're pursuing, what your passion is going to be, what your sustenance is. One of the worst things in my life is when I have friends that don't have food because I like to eat. I know I don't look like it, but I like to eat. I go to the gym, not because I like going to the gym. I go to the gym so I can eat stuff. That's the reason why I go to the gym. But you ask Cody, if Cody says, hey, we're going over so-and-so's house, one of the first questions is going to come out of my mouth, will there be food there? (laughs) And I will be passing judgment on who you are as a friend based on the amount of food that you have and the quality of your food. There's a rating system. I can't get into it, but, but it's all there. And every man in the house, and a lot of you ladies too, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I'll go over there if they're going to feed me. And they feed you good. Has a good friend. That is a good friend. People come over to our house. We're going to do our best to feed them. Now, we got four kids, so it might be a chicken nugget. But we're going to have plenty of them. And we're going to feed you. There's nothing worse than having a friend who doesn't have food. It's even worse to have a friend that can't feed you spiritually. There's nothing worse than having a friend that has absolutely no spiritual food. Because as much as I would love to hang out with somebody that's going to feed me a good meal naturally, I would much rather hang out with a friend that's going to feed me spiritually. Because well after my stomach has gotten used to being full, I want my spirit to still be encouraged. I want to get something from someone that isn't just going to help me for the next three hours. I want to get something from someone that's going to help me for the rest of my life. you got to have some friends that have some spiritual food to give you. But here's the deal. The people that are going to feed you spiritually may not look exactly like what you think they need to look like. They may be a little different than you. One of the natural wonders, this, this thing that God created, this relationship between a crocodile and an Egyptian plover, which is a bird. I got a picture of it. This is an interesting relationship. And scientists can't explain this because any other creature 
that comes by those jaws, I promise you that crocodile will destroy it. Other birds, animals, whatever. But this particular bird, this plover, when that bird comes around, a fully grown crocodile will literally open its mouth, okay, and allow that bird to come inside of its mouth. And when that bird is inside the mouth, you know what it does? It starts eating the leftover food. It's kind of gross. You're going to be thinking about this at lunch. But, but it'll eat the leftover food specifically off of around the crocodile's teeth. Now, y'all think it's gross. I ordered four for my kids. Because next time they come to me and told me that they floss, I'm going to be like, uh-uh, put that plover in there right now. I'm just going to open their mouth and stick that bird in there. But why is that important? Because... Crocodile is not like a shark. When it loses a tooth, it's gone forever. And they're very susceptible to tooth loss. So that bird cleans a crocodile's teeth so that the bird can survive or so that the crocodile can survive too. What a strange relationship. I'll tell you, some of the healthiest relationships I've ever had in my life have been with people that are in a different season than I'm in. They don't look like me. They don't have kids, or they had kids, or they're empty nesters. Some of the healthiest relationships I've had have just been people that, that could just offer me a different perspective that could become spiritual food for me, that could sustain me, that could help me. Number two, begin looking to Jesus for lasting satisfaction. Begin looking to Jesus for lasting satisfaction. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The reason why Jesus was having to talk about this is because people were starting to confuse Jesus' role, specifically the Israelites. And people were even beginning to say that he was just Moses reincarnated. But the Israelites, the way they looked at Moses, the way that they talked about Moses was Moses was the one that fed them while they were in the wilderness. Like, oh yeah, he's Moses. Because Jesus had just fed the 5,000 and fed the 4,000. Okay, so now they're like, man, this is Moses. He's doing, just like, he's doing just like he did when we were in the wilderness. He fed us manna. Thing is, Moses didn't feed the people Jack. It was God that fed them. So Jesus was trying to set them straight again. It's like, no, you, you guys are getting hung up on natural nourishment again. And you're missing it. If I give you, I could give you a little bit of bread, but I'm the bread of life. You consume me. You consume my character. You consume my love. You consume who I am. You'll never be hungry. You'll never go hungry. So he's trying to correct that in them. Jesus is essential. Like, the only fulfillment you're going to have is going to come from him. The new age philosophy would be this. Like, somebody would sit down with you with a new age mindset and be like, man, you just got to find your happiness from within. That sounds so profound, you know? I mean, I'm sure people that say that, they've got like, they're definitely dressed like a hipster, they're definitely, you know, they got like a, like a hat on. And they're over there with their coffee. Like, man, you know, I really just feel like 
if you could just find your happiness from within you. I'll tell you what, I'm never sitting around my house at 8 o'clock at night hungry and looking at my stomach and be like, there's a steak inside of you. Because <laughs> there's not. And my stomach's like, no, get your butt up and go on down to Taco Bell. You'll regret it later, but you need to do that right now because you're hungry and you're going to get hangry and then everybody's going to hate it. Why? Because... Your source has to come from the outside. We need an outside source. The problem is we can find that, but we try to find it in the wrong things and the wrong people because we think that it can come from things and people, and it can't. So I thought I would, I would demonstrate what this winds up looking like in a lot of people's lives. So I'm going to ask Cody, my wife, to come up here on stage. She's going to help me demonstrate this real quick. So a redneck definition of a bad marriage is uh, two ticks and no dog. In other words, you got two blood-sucking entities that have no place to get fed. So they try to feed off each other and they don't work. And this is what I see happen, not just in marriages, but in other relationships. These buckets represent you, right? And so you find this gorgeous amazing woman and you go and you think, man, she fulfills me. And, and, and she fulfills me more than anyone's ever fulfilled me before. And then you get married. And, and the problem is at one point or another, you're empty. And so then what are you doing? You're going over there. Give me some of that. I'm supposed to take care of me. Fulfill me. <laughs> and it's way more violent than this actually looks. <laughs> it's not pretty. What's the problem? The problem is eventually she's going to be empty too. And then what? Then where you go? The issue? You left the source. You walked away from the source. Because if you stay near the source, what's going to happen eventually? Overflow. Guess what? And then you don't even have to worry about anybody else filling you up. But guess what? You get to splash on other people too. You get to fill them up too. But it's not what you have to offer. It's not what you have to give. You're just staying under the source. The source will move, move with them. The source will ask you to do difficult things, hard things. But when you stay under him and he refreshes you and he fills you up, you won't ever want to leave him. You want to stay right there, staying with the source the whole time. Thank you, baby. Give her, give her a hand. She did amazing. The truth is this. You will either take out of a sense of lack or you will give 
out of abundance. That is a way that you will operate. The only way that you can have abundance, you got to find your source. And you got to stay under your source because nothing else is going to fill you up. John 4, 13 says this, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, he's talking about natural water right now, drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is an eternal thing. In John 7, 37, it says this, On the last day of the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. I want you to circle the word come, and I want you to circle the word drink. And he says, whoever believes in me, circle the word believes. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So I made a little acronym with this, and I'm, I didn't do it in the same order of the words in the scripture, but I'm going to call it CBD. The reason why I'm calling it that is because that's what the new cannabis oil is called. So all the young people know what this is. So it's going to stick in your brain like, oh, yeah, CBD. I love that. It's awesome. Okay, so C, C stands for come. Come. At one point or another, you're going to have to get up and move. You see, Jesus has already done his part. I mean, he came across, he came out of heaven and across the cosmos and out of a very pleasant dimension and put himself into a natural world with broken people and lived a life and went to death on a cross. He did all of it. He did everything. I think it's your move. I think it's your move. And the word says, if you will draw near to God, then he'll, he'll close the gap. He'll come the rest of the way. But you've got to be willing to move. Come. Come. Move. Draw yourself near to him. The B stands for believe. Believe in Jesus. There is a major difference between believing about Jesus and believing in Jesus. And I find that in the Bible Belt especially, we have an issue with this. We have an issue with believing about the things of God, believing about Jesus, believing about God, believing about the Bible, and not believing in them. And there's a big difference with that. Like if one of my kids came to me and said, hey, I'm learning history at school, and there's some things that I believe about Hitler now because I've been educated, and it's important for them to get that education because if you don't respect history, history will repeat itself. So I want them to learn and believe some of those things about Hitler. But that is way different than if they came to me and said, I just believe in Hitler. You know, just some of the things that he said and the way he will watch out. Like that's going to that's going to be a it's going to be a pretty intense conversation. Some of you, you're sitting here right now. And you have been in, in this repetition of believing about Jesus and not believing in him. You come to church, you believe about the things of God, but you don't believe in them. And so it can't change you. 
It can't set you free. It can't restore you. It can't bring true satisfaction. It's time to believe in him. And the D stands for drink. Drink. In other words, you gotta consume. You gotta consume who he is. You gotta make some room for him. You gotta make some room for him in your appetite. But you've gotta consume in your mind, with your words, with your mouth, consuming. Some of you, you're gonna have to acquire a taste uh, because you've been feeding on everything else and developing an appetite for the things of the world. The things of God taste different and sometimes it takes a little bit to acquire the taste for the things of God. Not too long though, because he is so good. He's so good. But the truth is you can train yourself to have an, an appetite for anything. Cody's done this with our kids. It's the craziest thing. She's created an appetite in our kids for vegetables. I don't, that didn't happen to me growing up. Our son Reeves, just the other night, he, he's sneaking out of bed. I catch him, he's sneaking in the refrigerator. I'm like, Reeves, scared to death. Oh, what you doing? He's like, I'm sorry, dad, I was just hungry. So I was getting some carrot sticks. I was like, I can't even be mad at you. <laughs> like, All right, get your carrot sticks, get back to bed. But, no more tonight. No more carrot sticks for you. Um, it's kind of a picture of Christians. It's not going to make sense to the world what you crave. It's not going to make sense to the world what you feed on, what you have a taste for. Man, they're going to notice there's something different about you. There's something different about you. So the question is this, where are you finding your satisfaction? Like, just be honest with yourself. I'm convicted about this. There's so many times when I, I know the Lord is drawing me. This is just me. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to make my convictions your convictions, but there's time when I know the Lord is drawing me to spend some time with him. And I'm just like, I just want to, I just want to do something brainless. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to put a show on. I just want to watch a game. You know? Or he'll wake me up in the morning a little earlier. Not a lot earlier, just like 30 minutes earlier. I know it's him waking me up, and I'm just like, God. 30 minutes of sleep sounds so good. The truth is, I'm still, still tired. So I can either be spiritually fulfilled and tired, or I can be spiritually empty and tired. Sometimes I just miss it. Maybe, maybe there's a chance that you're trying to feed on some things that'll never bring you satisfaction. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Hey, I, I just think, we, here's the deal. If you've got in a habit of this, it's not gonna change completely right now. Just like I can't pray for you to have passion right now and all of a sudden you just miraculously have passion for God. This is gonna, this is gonna take some time, but I think a process has to start. And in this regards, I think this process can start best and easiest with confession, with you just admitting it. And so as your pastor, as your brother in Christ, I, I just wanna give you an opportunity between me, you and God, if you're just in a place where you know that you've been feeding on a lot of other stuff, trying to find satisfaction, 
but it's not working. And you're just ready to confess that before God and begin the change of allowing Him be your satisfaction. But if that's you, nobody look around. If that's you, just put your hand right now. I want to pray with you. Raise them high, raise them high. Father God, every person that's raising their hand right now, I don't know what it is in their life. I don't know where they're at. I don't know what the particular thing is. Some of them, they're not bad things. They're good things. They're just not your best. But God, right now, we just confess, God, that, that there's nothing that can bring us satisfaction other than you. Our jobs can't bring satisfaction. Money can't bring satisfaction. Our kids can't bring satisfaction. Our, our marriages can't bring satisfaction. There is nothing that can bring satisfaction other than you. We just confess to you that we need you, God. I thank you for your grace. It's resting on every person that just confessed that to you. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give them wisdom and you lead them by their spirit, Lord, if there's anything that they just need to push back so that they can get more of you. Lord, help them just to see that. God, they wouldn't be weighted down with condemnation, but God, that they would just simply respond to conviction and allow you, Holy Spirit, to give them wisdom on where they can create margin and have room for you, for you, for, your, for the things of, of the kingdom of God. Thank you for it. You can put your hands down. The truth is you will be completely disconnected from anything that I'm saying until you truly have believed. The word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you can be saved. And I, I just can't help it but think that there's a few of you, maybe several of you, maybe many of you. And when I was talking about that, when I was talking about the difference between believing about and believing in, man, the Holy Spirit just started to speak to you and just say, you've been living in this repetition. You've been living in this, in a lot of respects, in a lie. You don't have relationship with God because you've never truly surrendered to Jesus. And if you're here today, and you're ready to not just believe about him, but believe in him and truly surrender your life to him, not just as the person that can save you from your sin, but as a person who can give you purpose, the person that can give you calling. And the only way he can do that is by making him your Lord. If you're here today and you're ready to say that, nobody's looking around, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I wanna pray with you. But let it start with a confession on your part just to say, that's me. If that's you, nobody looking around, when you put your hand up right now, as soon as I see your hand, I'll put, you can put it down. Got it. Yes. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, got it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Got it. Thank you. I've believed about him, but I haven't believed in him. Anybody else? Come on, be bold. Jesus was bold for you. Be bold for him. Got it. Got it. God's going to honor it. Anybody else? I don't know if I... You raising your hand doesn't get you saved. I just want you to have confidence that your, your pastor and your brother in Christ sees you, is believing with you. Got it, bro. Thanks. Praying with you. We had a lot of hands. Let's all just pray this together. There's somebody around you that needs to pray this prayer with some confidence. So will you pray it with confidence with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, not just to save me from my sin, but to satisfy me, to satisfy my soul. I confess you as my Lord. I confess you as my Savior. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask for your forgiveness and I repent. I'm gonna stop living the way I've been living. 
I want to live for you. I know I'll still make mistakes. I thank you, your grace is sufficient. But I want to come to you every day to satisfy me. Father God, I thank you for every person that just said that prayer. God, I thank you that that would be the prayer of every one of our hearts, Lord. We would be truly satisfied in no other place but in you. So God, as as a pastor, but as a person who struggles with this too, (laughs) I speak boredom in the name of Jesus this week over every person's life. I pray in the name of Jesus, and no matter how busy their schedule is, how many kids they're trying to shuffle around, how many activities are going on, whatever the stresses and the trials and the conflicts and the problems and whatever it is, but I pray in the name of Jesus that they would find themselves in a moment of silence. And that in that, you would give them the grace to just be still and quiet. And that God, you would give them ears to hear. Give them ears to hear. Their their, their spiritual ears are going to be different than the ears they normally use. So God, give them spiritual ears to hear the voice of their heavenly Father. God, I pray you provide that opportunity for every person because we know that when we have tasted and seen that you are good, it changes us. We thank you, God, for doing that. We give you the glory and the honor in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand this morning. We had several people getting right with Jesus.